Hi, can you hear me? Am I on? Super duper. Um, I am just uh, thankful. I'm thankful to be here. Um, I, uh, I feel like we're in the right church. Would you agree? God is doing some awesome stuff. I love this video where we're touching God's, uh, God's people. And when we do that, when we do that, we touch God's heart. And I think that's exactly the heart of Jesus. Just impact. And I love that when we've had our last building over on Hickory, we were like, we're in the heart of Escondido. And then we came here. We're like, no, no. Now we're in the heart of Escondido. Uh, and so God is awesome. He's strategic. He's strategic in all his ways. Uh, with us. He's always pointing us towards him. We may be slow on the uptake, but he's pointing us to his son, Jesus. And I, and I love that. Um, I thought uh, Shane's uh, sermon on Gideon uh, the last three weeks has been awesome. He's pulled out some really good uh, nuggets uh, that I've been nibbling on. Uh, but this is the fourth week of, of the sermon of Gideon. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to sum up this entire, this entire story. I think it's really important to see us in this story. Um, so the recap is that the story of Gideon is all about a people who were once with the Lord, who were following his commandments, who were following after God. And then for some reason their hearts got swayed and they started worshiping other idols. Uh, and the story of Gideon is all about how God is calling them back even to a greater place, right? And have, 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 isn't that us? Isn't that a picture of us? Uh, the, the scripture talks about how our, our hearts are easily swayed. You know, and I know that I've, I, I saw myself in the story of Gideon when I looked at the people of Israel uh, uh, and saw what they were doing, I thought, well, it could just be about me. And you know what? If you look at it, you're probably thinking the same thing too. Like, yeah, I've been, I've been swayed. Um, but I want to go over uh, some scripture before we dig in, and that's in uh, Judges 6.1.4. I'm going to read uh, Judges 6.1-4, uh, and then 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. This is, these are people who live in a region and the Midianites came up, a whole different sect of people, and they started uh, just harassing them and moving in on their territory. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Jump to verse six. Midian was so, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And I want to tell you something. It, the Israelites at this time got themselves into their own trouble. They, they found themselves where they're at. If you keep reading, I think a couple scriptures later, there's a prophet that raises up and says, 
because God heard the cry of the Israelites, the, the, the prophet said, there's a couple things you got to do. One thing you got to do is you got to stop worshiping the God of the Midianites. So <clears throat> I, I went to Israel. Uh, one of the greatest things that I've ever, ever experienced was walking in the Holy Land. And I got a, uh, we went to the, uh, Mount Carmel. Do you guys remember Mount Carmel in the Bible? Mount Carmel was the place where Elijah uh, challenged the prophets of Baal. And now this was a time when uh, the people of God forsake the Lord and they started uh, being oppressed by other gods, particularly the God of Baal. When we were in Israel and on top of Mount Carmel, they were talking about how they would build these altars the, and they were called high places, they would build altars to, to Baal, right? And that displeased the Lord because idols pull your attention away from God. Um, and that is, why, uh, that is why the prophet said, uh, I'm going to rescue you, but you got to stop worshiping these other idols. You got to stop worshiping these other false gods. Um, so in Judges 6 9, a prophet is sent to deliver this message. I rest, he's reminding you, remember who I am? I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amor um, Amorites in whose land you live. And I thought to myself, as a whole, when you read that, you think, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't have idols. I don't know about you. In my house, we don't have idols. Like, we're not sacrificing on, on altars. <clears throat> uh, but I was reminded by the Holy Spirit um, that God is actually pointing out things to us. So I want to do a heart check real quick. And um, let's talk about what idols are. Idols are objects that are loved, revered, and worshipped. That could be anything, right? That could be anything from uh, your favorite pop star to your favorite politician uh, or just the pursuit maybe of money, maybe your family, maybe, maybe before God you put your family first. And these are things that pull attention uh, away from the Lord. And I would ask you, what is your heart chasing? I think at one point, I mean, we're all, I think most of us here are following Jesus, but we know what it feels like to have our heart being pulled in another direction, right? And yet the Lord is very clear about protecting our hearts and protecting uh, those things that are important. And what's important here uh, is not to forsake the Lord. In Exodus 34, uh, 13, uh, there's direction that says, tear down their altars, uh, smash their pillars, don't worship any other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And I think we kind of skip over that kind of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I know that what here at Heart Church, we preach an inclusive and loving message that comes from Jesus. Um, and sometimes it's kind of hard. Sometimes it's kind of hard to say, you have got to you have got to protect your heart. You 
You need to know that there really is an enemy. You know what's funny? That I spoke with uh, a young man this last week, and he asked me, in church, why don't you guys ever say devil or Satan? And I thought, is that true? He's like, yeah, you guys always say enemy. Right? But the truth is, there, there is an unseen enemy, and he is the devil, and he is working hard to pull your attention from Jesus. That is the truth. Uh, and that is why God is so adamant about not worshiping and not allowing our hearts to bow down to these other things, these other things that seduce us. I was thinking about that time when we were on Mount Kamel, and I got to talk about the seduction of this age, right? Um, some of you who are in Israel will remember that uh, I was just taken back that there is, there is like a Jezebel spirit, if you want to call it that, or just the, the spirit of the age. That just It's constantly pulling us away. It's constantly pulling us away from fellowship. It's pulling from people here in church. It's constantly pulling us away from the word. It's constantly pulling uh, us away from, from the presence of God. And we, need, and we need to be aware of that. Those are idols. Ideologies. I put that down in here. Because ideologies are ideas and speculations uh, and ideals that we hold on to that shape uh, how we think. And I, I, I put that down here because I feel like ideologies is very much like, can be like an idol. And I know like you guys are probably political, I'm political, I love politics. I actually think mostly it's funny. Uh, it just, it, it, it tickles me to some extent uh, to, watch, to watch people work so hard and it fail. And like, it doesn't even matter what side of the aisle you're on. It's just funny. And then, then you're watching, watching the news, they're just babbling and babbling. And you're just like, who are you really convincing, right? But yet, I feel like there are times politically, if we don't get the right guy in, then we're upset. Like we're mad at other people. Have you noticed that? I actually have had people like not want to talk to me because they think the way I voted, you know, was like an affront to them in some way. It's amazing how we just adopt the spirit of divorce because our religion is politics. <laughs> Idols and ideologies. I love what God is doing on the earth. There are some <clears throat> horrible things that have been happening on the earth that God is bringing to light. For one, there's people groups who may have been marginalized, but yet God is, God is bringing attention to that, right? There are some great things uh, that are happening right now. There's a light being shown in Hollywood and entertainment where uh, children and women were abused, but you know what? That, that's being cleaned up right now. That's wonderful. The problem is that when we make a religion out of it. The problem with some of these movements is that it doesn't address the heart issue, I've always said this, if it doesn't end in forgiveness, there's something wrong. If some of these ideologies have you spinning in anger and distrust, red flag. It's a red flag. It's a religion. And we need to be very careful on how we engage with politics, in movements. If there's not a fresh word from God within that movement, then beware. It's okay to acknowledge what God is doing on the earth. It's okay for God to bring justice. 
but it's something entirely when you walk away and you say, I'm going to adopt these things. I'm going to adopt these ideas. I'm going to cut people out. That, that's probably the most scary thing. We don't like divorce, yet we, we separate all the time. And God, God, is, not, God is not for that. <clears throat> uh, I think about, uh, in terms of politics, like if we don't get the right person in the office, then we think we're headed for Armageddon. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's the idea that revival is going to somehow come from the White House, which sounds great. It's like God's going to do something in the White House. But that's, that's not where revival comes from. That's not where spiritual awakeness comes from. Spiritual awakeness comes from us and flows up. It goes to the White House. It goes to government. And it goes, it goes to all of these little things uh, that we need a touch of God in. And, it's, and it comes through you. It comes through you when you align your heart towards the Lord and you get rid of these little idols. And I'm telling you, these little idols, they, they're little. They're little. It's this, it's that. It's this thing we know we shouldn't be entertaining. But yet it's so cute and it makes me feel so good. And then before you know it, it's ruining. I think about like in the Amalite, the Am- uh, if I say that right, Amalites, they're, um, they, they moved the Israelites into cliffs. That's what the scripture said. They were, it was, they were eating their lunch. They were ruining their cattle. They were ruining. So idols ruin your peace. Yeah. <laughs> idols are no joke. <clears throat> we break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself against the wisdom of God. And we take hold of every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's Second Corinthians. That's how we deal with ideologies, with idols. Again, Exodus 34, we're tearing down those altars and we're smashing uh, those high places. This is what happens when we entertain an idol. So follow me here. When we are in the center of God's will, it is like we are in the center of an umbrella, right? The umbrella would represent God's covering and blessing over your life. The idol sits outside of that canopy and it pulls you from it. So sometimes people think to themselves, uh, you know, God's always punishing me. I'm doing something wrong. God's, God's mad at me. God's punishing me. So that's, this is why bad things are happening in my life. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm right about this. <laughs> the heartache and the punishments that we are um, experiencing isn't because God put it on you, because God doesn't have it to give. God doesn't have, God doesn't have curses to give you. But what happens when you step out of that umbrella, that canopy, we're suddenly vulnerable to attacks from the enemy, all because you had to have this. All because, like, let's just say your, your idol is bitterness and you won't give it up. And you're moving, you're, you're moving out of the grace of God 
so you can have your little pet bitterness. It's so cute. It makes me feel good. This is my security. This is what's nourishing me. That's what you think, and it's not. It's making you spiritually anemic. And you wonder why suddenly the enemy, not the Lord, has legal spiritual authority to harass you because you stepped out of the grace of God. You've stepped out of the canopy all because you had to have this. Everyone knows what that is in each life. What is that? You know it's not of the Lord and you just have to have it. And yet it pulls you from the canopy of God. And you know what? Idols, like I said, are no joke. They will rob you of peace. They will rob you of security. You may have all the money you want. You may have all the wealth. And you may even have the adoration of the public. But inside, dry, anemic, withered. Because you've changed from him being the Lord to this thing being the one thing you serve. Um, a false movement, a bad attitude. It's the little things. And I like to call them pets because we think we can control them, but they actually control us. I love Judges 6.6 because they had enough. The Israelites had enough. And the scripture says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And that's me. I don't know where you've been in your life, but this is, this is me, 100%. Have I been so broken? Have I been so lost? Because I was chasing after my own pleasures and fantasies, my little idols, that suddenly I'm feeling defeated in life. I'm feeling not connected to the Holy Spirit. I'm feeling not connected to um, my church family. And then I call out, that's us. We call out and God, he responds because he's so good. Would you agree? Have you guys experienced that? Whenever we need help, like God is, God is quick to answer. He is quick because he's a good dad. God is a good dad. Uh, and so what he does is he raises up some guy hiding in a wine press. And I, and I love that because God, I feel like, is always calling up people who think they're weak. Um, while hiding in a wine press, trying not to catch the attention of the Midianites, this is what happens. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. A dude hiding out, trying not to gain attention, and an angel of the Lord here is sent to him because God hears the cries of his people asking for help. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? In verse 15, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord doesn't even respond. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, I will be with you. (laughs) 
And, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. This is it. We are all Gideon in this story. Gideon, Gideon was a dude living, with his, living under his father's house. His dad had idols. His dad had an altar on his land just to please the people. Do you remember Shane was talking about that? <clears throat> and he had to do something. What did he have to do? He had to tear down the, uh, the altar. Yeah, he did it at night because he was scared, but he still did it. And God called weak people to do extraordinary things. And it may start by doing things in the dark, but at least he was obedient. Bro, my friends, you're it. You're Gideon. God is calling you to rise up. And I know what you're thinking because I've thought it my entire life. I am weak. I'm 5'5". Five five. <laughs> I'm 5'5", five five, now you know. <clears throat> I've been 5'5 five five for almost all my life. <clears throat> there are better speakers out there. There are, there are better leaders. Pick someone else. Don't, don't look this way, God. Don't look this way. I'm not, I'm not educated enough. I, I actually, I can't fight. You know, some people are just like, natural fighters, but someone like me, dude, I play the piano. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm <laughs> But you know what he does? He, he, he finds shepherd boys. He finds shepherd boys. And, he, and, he, and they go and they confront gi giants. You know, the enemy, Goliath, it was just from top, from top to bottom, full of armor. Behind him had a, had a legion of soldiers that are like, yeah, yeah, egging him on because they were harassing the Israelites. And David just took five stones and he only used one to kill him. Shepherd boy, same shepherd boy, who turns out to be a king, anointed king of Israel. And all he was doing at one point of his life was hanging out in a field with sheep playing his piano. Maybe he was playing some Broadway in there too, because I love Broadway, right? <laughs> but he was certainly writing, writing music for the Lord and just contemplating on God's goodness. You know what God does? He takes babies thrown into rivers and makes them princes of palaces. That's Moses. He, um, he takes people who live a large part of their life in prison to save a nation. That's Joseph. And it's you. You right now sitting in your chair, looking at this 5'5 five, five guy. And God is saying, I'm calling you to be a life giver. God may be pressing. So here's the thing, like, I'm not that influential, but the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit may be kindly pointing his finger, and not just pointing, 
pressing his finger on your heart because you all know what those idols are. I don't know anything about you guys. I don't know what you struggle with eternally, internally, but you do. And the Holy Spirit knows that he has been talking to you about these things. And he's asking you, because you're, you're gripping, to release the grip. This is it. This is the start. I surrender. I release it. And then shake it off. And the Lord, you know what? Sometimes it feels like you can't do it in your strength. That's why, that's why God comes and helps us. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit helps us to release. But we, but we release the grip. In our life group, in our life group, uh, we're pretty famous for saying that God is always telling you to take what? Risks. If there is one message in our life group, it's this. God is asking you to take risks <clears throat> because risks are a step of faith. And what we've learned what we've all learned in our life group is that when we face battles, it's Jesus who fights our battles. We're not David. Jesus is David and he fights for us. And this is something that uh, Gideon uh, is going to learn. He's going to learn to fight. So I want to, let's see here. What's the next slide? Oh, Is there a young man that touches my heart like this guy right here? I love, I love you, Avery. Um, this is a very special uh, picture that I took of Avery. Uh, so uh, when we were in the Holy Land, uh, we, uh, Shane made a point to bring us to the, uh, the location where... Um, Gideon brought his men to drink out of a out of a brook. So let me tell you what happened. So Gideon's like, okay, I'm gonna take a risk. We're gonna fight the uh, Midianites, uh, and he accrues. This is the craziest thing: uh, thirty thousand people, thirty thousand men to his army, right? And he's like, I'm following you, God. I'm taking the risk. And God says, mm, there's too many. And he says, he says, ask the men who is scared and then tell them they can leave. Like, that's no way to like build an army, but he's obedient and he's like, oh, this is like, this is like shooting myself in the foot because I'm gonna lose people because who isn't scared? I'm sure Gideon was feeling it too. So he's like, who's scared? And like 20,000 people are said, I'm, I'm surely scared. And he was like, mm. You, you can go, you know, he's like, he's letting them go. So he's like, oh my gosh. So now we're going to fight this army with 10,000 men. And the scripture says that when the Israelites, Israelites look at the Midians, Midianites, it was, they said it was like a swarm of locusts with their camels. They, you couldn't count them. So the fear was palatable. It was, you could, you could just see defeat when you look out. So he's like, all right, God, 10,000 men, I can do it. And God brings him to a brook. And this is where we were at. 
And God said, um, now we're going to do a drinking test. And you're going to watch every single one of these men drink from the brook. And so that's what they did. They got in line. They started drinking from the brook. And God said, those who drink directly from the brook, like an animal or like a dog, the way they said it's like a dog, like an animal, you're going to release them and they can, and they can go. They're not going to be a part of this battle, right? So you're thinking, oh, like half, like at least I'll have half. But God brings them the number down to 300, releases them. It's like, God, you're calling me to great things. To defeat the Midianites would be a great thing. And you've reduced me from 30,000 men to 300. That's the real, have you seen the movie 300? This is the real 300. And if you think this is ridiculous, <laughs> the next part is even crazier because he doesn't say, you know, get your sword, sharpen your swords. He doesn't say, you know, co collect your, uh, your shield, get your javelin ready. He says, I have a plan for you. He says, this is what you're going to do. In the night, you're going to take your 300 men and you're going to give them these two weapons. You're going to give them a torch and they're gonna, it's going to be like in a, not a jug, but like a, uh, like a jar, a jar. And in the other hand, you're going to have a trumpet. This is what you're going to battle with. You're going to battle <laughs> with a fire stick <laughs> and like a, one of those, right? <clears throat> and in, the, and in, the, in the, the darkness of night, I mean, he's like, Literally, God, you're going to have us fight with visual effects, sound effects. Like, this is basically what's happening, right? So he goes down, he and his men at the edge of camp, and they take the jars that's holding their torches, and they smash it down, huge crash. Suddenly, 300 illumination sticks in the middle of the night, and they take the trumpets, and they blow hard. And this sound and this light brings utter confusion to the Midianites, startles them out of their sleep, startles them while they're on their watch. And there's a huge, there's a huge population of them in their confusion, in their fear, kill themselves. It is like, it is like, <laughs> it's like an anointed way to battle because you're not, because you're not throwing, you're not throwing down spears. You're not, you know, swinging swords, but God is like, they're, they're going to do half our battle for us. Once they do that, the other half is driven off the land and they're pursued and dealt with. And the Lord is saying, I don't know about you. What's the next thing? God gives us better weapons. <clears throat> I actually would say God is asking you to surrender your old weapons. I know this to be true in my life because like I said, I was 5'5 five five for almost all my life and still am. But when I was young, people were merciless towards me. And so I had to develop 
some tools in order to survive. And you know where my tools were? In here, in my tongue, in my mouth. I was, I could cut someone up easily. That's how I, that's how I defended myself. That was a tool for another time. That is, that is a battle that I'm no longer fighting. And I feel like we pick up these tools and these weapons because life teaches us this is what we need in order to protect, in order to protect ourselves, in order to protect our families. And the Lord is saying, like, it's, it's a weapon check, man. Have you ever seen those movies? Like, back in the day, they're like, you're going into the bar, weapons check, right? And the God, God is saying, like, actually, we're going to do a swap. You're, you're surrendering this to me, and you're not supposed to pick these things up anymore. Like I said, sharp tongue. Some people build walls because that's the only way to live. You've been hurt, you build a wall. You can't let anyone in. You want to be seen, but I got this wall. Maybe you just blame other people. It's never your fault. Because maybe at one point, someone said everything is your fault. So you, you just... You just have that on you. Like, so you're constantly like, it's not my fault, it's other people. <clears throat> but God is doing a swap. And he's saying, give me, give me your weapons. <laughs> We're not shanking people anymore. <laughs> We're not doing that. This is not prison. Give me, give me your shanks. Give me, give, me, uh, give me your sharp tongue. Give me your sharp wit. And what God is going to give us in our hand and in our lives is light and sound. Trumpets and torches are light and sound. And I believe that God wants you to live in a culture of victory that is supplied through him. <clears throat> He's saying, like I said about the trades, like, you know what, you give me your life and I'll give you mine. You lay down your old tools, your old weapons, and I'll give you something that's life-giving. So let me ask you, let me ask you, when you face trials, what sound comes out of you? What, what does your roar sound like? Is your roar coming from what you can do for yourself? Or are you recognizing that your roar has been replaced with a holy roar? It's a roar that comes from knowing God. It's a roar that comes from being planted exactly where you're supposed to be in Christ, centered in the umbrella. It's a roar that confuses the enemy. It's a roar that God puts in you instead that confuses the enemy. And the light of God is God's goodness in your life. You know, you don't need to be bitter. 
God didn't call you to be bitter. You don't need to be angry. You don't need to be chasing after this or that. God is God is your supplier. Amen? God's response to you is his goodness. And his goodness is always a light. I feel like I feel like we need to respond. And I know here at Heart Church, we're not, we don't do a lot of altar calls, but I do feel like the Lord is asking you to lay down your old weapons and allow him to put something else in your hand. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I want to go back into this last song because I love how it, it touches on heroes of the faith. And it touches on how, um, how God did mighty things through them. And I would say, if you're positioned right towards the Lord, if your heart is positioned right towards God, then you're a hero of the faith. And you need to know that the same God that guided Gideon, the same God that tutored David, a shepherd boy, to be a king is your God. It doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter if you've messed up six ways from last Saturday. It doesn't matter. What matters is right now. And our, our response to God is to say, yes, me. I will take the risk. I'll take the risk. So I want to go ahead. You can go ahead. You can start. Um, I want to go ahead and just start this song. Let's just, let's just give this, these last five minutes to God. And let's just ask the Holy Spirit to, to pinpoint those things that we need to surrender to the Holy Spirit.
eyes and put your hand on your heart. Let's make this a holy moment between us and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you know these things that you're calling us to. We recognize, Father, that you have put your finger on our heart and you're drawing us to you. You're asking us, Lord God, to, to release the idols, Father. You're reminding us, Father, that you want to give us another weapon. You want to give us another tool, Lord. Lord, we, we respond to you, we respond to this message. And we ask, Father, that you would do something holy. You would do something powerful within our lives. Help us, Father, to lay these things down. Help us, Father, to lay down our idols and our ideologies. And help us, Lord God, to take the, the, the leave us faith, the step that we need to take toward you, Father. Supply us, God, with goodness, with light, and your and your sound, Lord God. Plant within us, Father, a holy roar. We recognize that the God that we serve is the God that has preserved millions of people in the past, and you're still doing it. You're still working wonders. You're still working wonders in our hearts, Father. See that again. You church i thank you god uh, for what you're doing i recognize lord that you have planted us in the heart of escondido for a purpose lord and you're calling us to take risks lord we don't fight people we don't fight people lord god we turn when there's a battle we turn towards you lord you've called us to love people and that is why you've given us weapons of light and sound Father, to bring truth and freedom and to show your goodness. 
in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you, God.